Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. I just want to share a few words. And the text this morning is 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse, we're going to pick it up in verse 2. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in this world caused by evil desires. And I want to draw your attention specifically, verse 3, 4. It says, by his divine power, he has given us everything we need for a godly life. Verse 4, through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises through his divine nature. I... um. We're in a series here that I, 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 I've been mentioning. I'm grieving because Major League Baseball has started, and I'm not enjoying it. I'm a, a baseball fan. I enjoy watching. I enjoy going to the games. More so enjoy going to the games, and more so enjoy when the Jays actually get on a winning streak, which they haven't been recent. But having said that, I've, I've taken this time to talk from a baseball analogy uh, because this is the time normally they would be starting up, called when life throws you a curveball. Because that's what we have been experiencing in these last two months. A curveball principle, and I shared and go back, I'm not going to take time to talk about it, but a curveball is, it comes from uh, when, a, when a batter's up to bat and they are looking for that fastball, because those fastballs come hard, true, and straight, that they get their eyes on that, and they get a bead on it, and they can hit that. They're pretty easy to knock out of the park. They're pretty easy to get some runs in. But it's those curveballs. It's those chains-ups. It's those things that surprise us. And that has depicted these last few weeks, has it not? So what do we do when life throws us a curveball? And there's principles in Scripture talking. Last week I talked about the storm of the Apostle Paul, and I started with that we really had to get into the presence of God. That's where he started, getting into the presence. But today I want to go through, and I want to talk a little bit about uh, spring training. Spring training. Before you ever get into the actual season, the team gets together and they begin spring training uh, months in advance. So, of course, they're down in Florida, and they would get together. The Jays, I'm speaking, they would get together, and they begin to. And, of course, all the major teams do this. They, um, they bring in some of their uh, secondary teams, and they get a chance to try out and to show their stuff. Uh, they go through the exercises. They get used to any new coaches, any new players, uh, and they begin to train for the real thing. When it comes to life's throwing us a curveball, we need to – we need to actively be in a place where we have trained. And I want to talk about regarding some of our training, because if we're going to be victorious, we have to train well. 
And there's some things that take place in strength training. I'm going to share five. I'm going to try to try to go quickly enough because I know we've been hanging in there for a while this morning. And the first one that we uh, need to talk about in spring training is how to hold the bat. <laughs> there is the right way and there is a wrong way. And it is unique to each individual player in how to hold the bat. As a matter of fact, there is a batting coach. And so it's not simply enough for them to get in the batting cage and then fire up the throwing machine and them take a bunch of swings and smack a bunch of balls around the cage. No, 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 no. The batting coach will put them into the cage and they start swinging. They start hitting balls and he is watching the mechanics because much depends on the mechanics. It's not just where your hands are positioned on the bat, and that's a huge part of it, but it's where the bat is positioned behind you. It's where you are squaring your shoulders up or you're squaring your hips up. It's how you are moving your head and watching the pitcher. It's how you are planting your feet. There are so many mechanics, and I don't even hazard to guess how many multiple mechanics go into making a batter successful. Here's the thing. First thing I want to share about, listen, when it comes to what do we do when life throws us a curveball? And we're in spring training here. We need to know how to hold the bat. And the bat for the believer is the scripture that we're going to be referring to here is holding the bat for the believer is how we handle God's word. Because that makes or breaks the game. And it makes or breaks our faith in how we handle God's word. Scripture in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, it says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Did you catch that? We have confidence in how we approach God, that if we pray in his will, if we pray according to his word, he hears us. We can have confidence. You, you have the idea of how you approach the mound, how we approach God as children of God. And if we know that he hears us, if we approach this right, if we learn how to handle the bat right, whatever we ask, we know God will respond. There's another scripture in Hebrews 10, 23. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Don't waggle that bat around. Don't stand up there smacking the dust. Don't look and huff and puff and all that kind of stuff. Listen, that's all just show. If you handle God's word correctly, the responses will be correct responses. There is something about being able to take God's word and handle it correctly. And we see this used, we see Christ using this when Jesus on Matthew, in Matthew chapter 4 was in the wilderness, and we call it the wilderness wand or the wilderness testings, and the devil came and tempted him, and Jesus constantly went back to the word, went back to quoting it, went back to talking about what the Father has said. You know, you can't underestimate the power of that. Back some time ago, we sing songs, you know, he is faithful, all his promises are amen. And I know it was a number of years ago, I was, I was, in prayer, and there had been some songs that had been uh, recently sung at that time, and it was talking about the promises of God. And I began to think, well, you know, we always talk about his promises, but what really are we talking about? Well, of course, it really is the scriptures, 
but I began to narrow it down. I just thought I would share this this morning. This might be of help to you. You may or may not be able to see this. This is the back of my Bible. I put this in two of my study Bibles. This is the uh, New Living that I've been going through recently in my personal devotion time. But I went to the back of my Bible, and there's a number of pages for notes, and I just began to write out promises. I stopped at 100. And what this has done for me, I don't go to this every day, but I will go to it often once or twice anyway a week, where I just need to just steadfast myself on a promise. And I will go to this, and I'm just going to pull some randomly here. Again, I've got a number of pages of this. I got up to 100 promises I put into my Bible. And so um, I just go to promise number three. I've got here from Ephesians 2.10, God's masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece to do his plans. And I will go to that scripture and I will read around the context of that scripture, knowing that he has promised me to be one of his masterpieces. That says a lot. Um, I'm just going to pull out promise number 25. It, Psalms 37.23, my steps are ordered of the Lord. He delights in me. That's a promise of his. So what does it mean to have steps ordered of him? And I begin to just allow that to resonate in my spirit and then to speak it with my mouth of God's glorious promises. Uh, promise uh, number 30 from Hebrews, a couple of scriptures here, Hebrews 10, 23, Numbers 23, 19. God is faithful to confessions of his word if I don't waver. He's faithful if I don't waver. There's so many promises here. So I just wanted to leave that, that listen, the first thing, you got to know how to hold your bat, right? You've got to know there's a confidence that if we come before him according to his will, then we know there's going to be responses to our prayers. And we need to confess those things in assurance that he is faithful. So promises. Second thing I want to share, spring training. You require faith and patience to hit and run. Uh, now, many times what takes place in baseball is a pitcher will, will throw the ball trying to find what your strike zone is. And they will throw it, they call it off the plate. And they do it on purpose. Now, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're just lousy pitchers. But frequently, if they're a good pitcher and they know their game, they will throw you a ball outside off the plate. They want to know how desperate you are to hit that ball. Because if you go waggling off the plate, if you have to step in to try to hit an outside, or if you're stepping back and you're, you're pulling the bat in to hit the inside, or the ball's not even coming to the plate properly and you're leaning forward, then they know they've got you. They know the best you can do, the best you can do, either to foul it, or you're just going to knock it back to somebody on the infield. They want to know how desperate you are just to hit anything. And here's the key. We need a good player needs patience. Uh, that's one of the fruits of the Spirit. But this is something, if you want to live through these days of curveballs being thrown at us, we have to be patient. And being patient is having faith in God. A pitcher has, or a batter has to be patient. Be patient because, listen, he's only got four throws, and if he doesn't do it right, you're walking to first base and you're in play. So he's got to throw you something down the middle. Be patient. Good hitters are not simply the power hitters. We sometimes tune into the all-star games, and you got all these big bulky guys, and they're knocking the balls out of the park and seeing how far they can hit it. But those guys are seldom the MVPs of the season. 
they because they're the ones who are you're, they're throwing it down the middle to see how far you're going to hit it but in a game in a normal game that's not where the enemy throws it he will throw it off the plate to throw you off he doesn't want to throw it down the middle he doesn't want to play the game by the rules he wants to pull you off and so so listen there's some scripture here hebrews chapter 10 verse 35 so do not throw away your confidence it will be richly rewarded you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. You know, the word patience means staying with it, not quitting. Don't give up. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. There is a proper time for everything. A proper time. And I want to bring a secondary part to that which is when you do get the hit and you race down to first base, you need to continue to be patient. Patience is not a one-time. It's not short-term. Patience is like forever. You, there's a proper time. There's a proper time to run to second. There's a proper time to go around to third. And sometime in our patience, we think, oh, I've got to do more. And we try to get to second. And what's the point if we get thrown out? What's the point of the hit? What's the point of holding the bat correctly if all you do is ever get thrown out? No, we need to have patience for the hit and run. It requires patience. And when it comes to our faith, do not, listen, do not be moved by your circumstances these days or by what you see or hear, but instead hold fast to God's word and his faithfulness. Isn't that good? Well, uh, I grew up on a farm. And when I was a kid, I'd watch dad plant the seeds just usually in about a week or two from now. He'd be planting seeds out in the field. And, uh, and I'd get so excited, like he'd been preparing the ground and it'd been raining, fertilized and, and tilled and everything's ready. He planted the seeds, nice, nice, neat little rows there he's planted. And as a child, there was a, there was a temptation to get up the next morning and go, well, where's the crop? I'm impatient for the growth. Now, I never did this. But it was, it was tempting to go and peel back to see if the seeds were doing anything. And even a week later, many times nothing had happened. And it would be easy to be impatient to dig up the seed. Now, good farmers know you don't do that. Good farmers know if you've done everything according to what you were called to do, then you trust God with the rest. And that is true when it comes to our patience. So two things, spring training. We've got to hold the back right. In other words, we got to handle God's word correctly. We need to go get a hold of those promises. And secondly, be patient. Don't live by the circumstances of what you see around us. Be patient. And thirdly, physical conditioning. Uh, in the off season, it's easy to let yourself go to pot. <laughs> you know, you just finished the year. It's time to dig into all those greasy French fries. And I know I probably shouldn't be talking about this because we're getting hungry for lunch, but, um, but we, we, can, we can lose sight of nutrition, lose sight of, of working out and pressing, you know, an hour a day or an hour and a half a day or just whatever it might be for those athletes or, or just even the emotional going to bed at the right time and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, listen, there's something to be said about physically conditioning ourselves because Christians, we have off seasons too. I remember when I first started into ministry and I got caught off guard that Mondays were an off season for me, basically every Monday. Because after back then you 
taught Sunday school, you preached in the morning, you preached in the evening, and then you, you kind of hit this depressed Monday. How I handled Monday would set the trajectory of what was going to happen the rest of the week. I firmly believe, listen, believers, we need to really take care because we're called every day, even in these changing times. In changing times, when our routines are messed up, we can start to do things that are just unhealthy. I've been harping about this for a while and because, because I know tendencies. I know tendencies uh, because you are working from home or maybe you're laid off right now is to uh, stay up late, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, get up 9, 10 o'clock. Why would you do that? Like that throws everything off for you and for the next day. I encourage you to try to keep your routines. Try to get back up. If you, This is a time, I've heard people say, this is a time to really get a hold of God. Devotion times that you were always rushed, you can now double up on. Uh, this is a great time for you just to, we've been just experimenting with more nutritional meals during this time. It's a time to, to plan. And I've encouraging, one of the things I try to do is have two or three major goals that I need to accomplish the next day. And when I get up, I think about those two or three major goals. And then I've also begun to think about God, it, what can I do that I normally would never do? What are some things that can advance me as a person, may, maybe my family or the ministry, that I haven't been seeing because I've been too busy in counseling, too busy in meetings, too busy in this or that? Show me what you want me to do. And, and I've been looking for it, and, and I've been asking God for vision. I want to be at the front of the curve, not around at the, bend, the last part of the curve. So I encourage you, as we come to this little part right here, there's something about physically conditioning ourselves. Beware of that, believers. God wants us all to be on, on the place where uh, we can do great things for the kingdom. Here's a spiritual checkup list for us. Here's some questions. How's my relationship with God? How's my relationship with family, friends, and business associates? Um, what purposes do I have in life? What drives or motivates me? Am I living right? Are my priorities in order? Am I following? Who am I following throughout the day? What am I following? What am, what's occupying my time throughout the day? Am I gaming throughout the day all day? What's occupying my time? Uh, and here, I want to pause for a second on this one. I don't want, I know I can take a long time on this one. What about your relationships? Lori and I were out for a walk yesterday and and uh, we were talking about this because this was just burning on my heart. She's a great sounding board. And I was talking about this, and here's the, here's the thing I was asking. I wonder how many people, I'm really kind of talking to Aurora Cornerstone family here. How many people prior to our social distancing here, how many people in our church, in our local body, did you know well enough that you knew their name, maybe email and phone number, that you could call them and you've kept in contact with them in the last month. Because I'm going to hazard a guess, there's a number of us who we greet each other on Sunday mornings and we maybe know their first name, but at times like this, it's a good time to do an inventory. Who do I know well enough that I can make a phone call to, I can email and chat with them and, and just see how they're doing, just connect with them. Because there are some of us, you don't know anybody. Some of us, we don't know who they are. We, 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 we shake in their hand for the last six months or a year or two years, but we never went farther than that. The Greek word is oikos, and I talked about that in one of my vlogs, and that word oikos is, is my, my small community of relationships, and this is outside your immediate family. 
This is my, my oikos, the five or six or seven people that I connect with on a regular or semi-regular basis. And so this is a good time to do an inventory. Have there been people that you haven't been able to connect with? Maybe you have been alone except for joining on social media on Sunday mornings. You haven't known anybody. And can I encourage you? It doesn't have to be that way. We have a multiple connection points and we know we have to make these connection points. So we dive in and we get involved and we get to know people and they get to know us and we know their first and last name. We know a little bit about their family, a little bit about how they're doing. Are they still at work? Are they not at work? Are they healthy? Are they unhealthy? Encourage you. We need to really be a part of physical conditioning. <laughs> okay, I've meddled long enough. Number four is winning strategy. In the game of baseball, it's not about just these top gun players. It's about the team. And a good team connects with each other. Can you imagine if they can't get along with each other? Can you imagine players that just hate the other players? Like, it doesn't go well. Uh, you know, sometimes I've heard people say, you know, I love God. I love the Lord. I just don't like people. And I, wanted, I want to challenge you on that. That if you love God, you're going you're gonna to care for people. And if you don't, ask him to give you a passion for people. Now, it doesn't have to be everybody equally. But that there's a love, even a liking for people. That our heart grows in affection towards others. And let there be a passion grow. You know, people that just watch cyber stuff and never connect with the local church or only ever come on Sunday morning, usually, you know, there's a, a lot of excuses. But I'm going to encourage you, we need people. And the team is a winning strategy. There's nothing more exciting when you see ball players when they've gone up to bat and then they get back and the others just, and they have this chit chat and they talk about, did you notice how the, the pitcher released it? He just held his hand a little different. And they begin to go back and forth about how to make each other better. That's a good team. That's a good church. Do you realize that, that in our church, you know, we have, and I thank Rich for having noticed it, but I am so thankful for the team that is around the church. Uh, I'm just going to use this as an illustration. Uh, even for Zoom, when we had to make this huge shift in our ministry, uh, there were a lot of changes we had to make. And, and the Zoom was one. The team that I have, the staff that we do, I'm just going to give you a quick little uh, picture of some of the things we have to do. So every Tuesday, we meet for one to two hours on Zoom. And we talk about how the service went, how everything went, and how ministries of the week went. And then we talk, we spend about a good solid hour talking about what do we want to do this Sunday? Where are we going this Sunday? What do we sense the Spirit leading us towards? It's not about me, it's about the team. And then after we're done on Tuesday, each one goes back and they have follow-up to all the things in order to get ready for the ministries of the church to connect with people, to set in motion things, not just for Sunday, but for, for ministry. Then we get together again on Friday, and we call it a dry run-through. And so it's been on Friday to 2 o'clock. We come back on. We do just what we're doing right now. And a bunch of us get back on, and we actually go through the run sheet. And so we begin, and we go through the reel, the countdown reel, the intros, the, the tagging to the next. I mean, that just doesn't happen. That is very intentional. We have people who are sitting with their fingers on the button right now. There's a number of hosts, you may or may not know, that we've designated, and they are going through everybody that's coming into our Zoom to make sure that we're all safe, that we're not going to get a nasty, bad surprise. 
So they're protecting the team as we are here talking and dialoguing and meeting together as a people. And, and, and then when that is done, then we meet at nine o'clock. And at nine o'clock, we do another 30 minutes going through. We're checking our microphones. We're checking the guitars. We're checking all these things. Here's the point. It's the team that makes it work. It's not me. And, and none of us can take the credit. But together, we work together. I thank God for them. And I thank God for the body of Christ because that's how he wants us to operate. Amen. So that is to me, that's what a winning strategy is the team effort. And I wanted to share the last point. So know how to hold your back. God's promises have faith and patience for the hit and run, have physical conditioning, get spiritual checkup. The winning strategy is a strategy of love for one another. And here's the last one. It's kind of a different one. There's a player, there's somebody on the field in baseball who is actually not a player, but they're so important. And it is the umpire. And they are a key part of every game. And the umpire has to know the rules inside and out. And the umpire has all the authority. They're the one who has the big gun on the field. And I want to suggest that uh, the umpire who carries the power, they have full authority to enforce the power. In other words, if a coach or a player runs up to the umpire and takes a hissy fit and, and tries to overstep their place, the umpire just, with the thumb, throws them out. We've seen that happen. Throws them out. He, won't, he doesn't have to put up with it because he's an authority. Listen, I want to tell you, when it comes to when life is throwing us curveballs, there's an enemy who tries to usurp your authority. And he is planting lies left and right. And we're not just players. We are also umpires on the field. Christ has given us authority to throw him out. And uh, we need to do that. We need to not listen to it. We need to not, well, you know, I'm not that strong and I'm not that capable and uh, there's not much, there's no place for me and I'm just going to go down with the ship type thing. And, and guess what? We're, somebody's overstepping their bounds. And as an umpire, we just need to get that thumb up and throw them out. Just speak to them. Just speak to that thought. Just speak to that impression. Just speak to whatever it is. If it's not in the heart and the will of God, then don't accept it. There's a lot of things that we're accepting we need not to. I just shared a vlog the other day that we are not orphans. We are not fatherless. We are not motherless. We are not teacherless. <laughs> he is with us. He has chosen to abide with us and in us. And so let's be the umpire. Let's throw them out of the game. And uh, take that place, Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. So give thanks. I like this one here, where in James 4.7, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, take your authority, and he has no choice but to flee from you. Father, Lord, we're just believing today that the victory, the victory is yours. Life has thrown us a curveball, but we have confidence that God, you have given us a place that that curveball does not have to take us out of the game. We don't have to drop our head in disgust and feel that it's too overwhelming for us. 
Lord, I pray for every man. I pray for every woman. I pray for every teenager. I pray for every child that is watching today or listening. Lord, I pray for those of our Cornerstone family and those that are our extended family today. Oh God, apply this to our hearts. May we not be auditors of your word. May we not be listeners only, but help us to be doers of your word today. That we take seriously the conditioning around your promises. That we are patiently, faithfully waiting and anticipating you at work in our lives. That God, we grow in our love, our affection, our relationship to each other. We stay spiritually alert, vigilant, for the enemy is not taking a break in these days. And that, God, you would raise out of this time of difficulty, you would raise up men and women who will not simply survive these days, weeks, and maybe months. Oh, God, I pray a thriving body of Christ that will see advances in the kingdom in ways that we never could have imagined or never could have even happened prior to these days. Let it be so, we pray. And, God, I pray we not tolerate what, what you've asked us not to tolerate, that we not just... Uh, uh, accept the things that you've told us to stand up against and to take hold of in your name. So, Lord, we just, we just, we just assume our place and authority in Jesus Christ. And thanksgiving, knowing that, God, you are faithful. We don't do it because we're strong. We do it because we are servants of a strong God. And so in that, we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. And if you all believe that, either say it out loud or whisper it. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.